Explore the night skies with our large range of high-quality telescopes. Whether you're a novice or an astronomy expert, we have the right telescope for you in our Australian Geographic e-store. Explore the whole range and find the right telescope for you today. Go to australiangeographic.com.au slash shop. That's australiangeographic.com.au slash shop. Hi, I'm Liz Guinness and this is Talking Australia, a podcast by Australian Geographic. Today I'm chatting with Di Westaway. Di is the founder of Wild Women on Top. She's an absolute powerhouse and has raised nearly $20 million for the Fred Hollows Foundation. She inspires a whole tribe of women to pull on their hiking boots and start a new way of living. Big, bold and audaciously. So I'm really excited to be sitting down and talking with Di today on this episode of Talking Australia. It's lovely to have you with us today, Di. Pretty cool to be here. Yeah, very good. <laughs> from my perspective, it's incredibly cool to meet you. I've been following your journey for well, at least the last 12 years, and oh. I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to be wow. sitting opposite you. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's exciting. So do you want to just, for the people that aren't as familiar with you as, as I am, fangirl, uh, do you want to <laughs> let that people know what, what you've been up to and, and why you're sitting here opposite me today? Yes, yeah? yes. So my, uh, my small now social purpose business, Wild Women on Top, uh, started... Um, almost by accident in, in many ways, uh, in just after the year 2000, after I had a failed mountain expedition um, to, um, to climb Mount Okankawa. So I was in that time that I think uh, probably many women experience where you have young children, uh, you're on the working mum treadmill, you kind of, you sort of, you feel stuck. And, um, you know, work is consuming, kids are consuming. There's no time for you anywhere in that space. And you feel like, like, what happened to me? No, I'm (laughs) sure there's so many women out there that will relate to that. Yes, yes. I was very much in that space. And with my 40th birthday approaching, at the time I was working full-time as a radio producer. um, And with my 40th approaching, I was like, oh, I really want to do something special. Like, I just feel like I just need to kind of leap out there. Like, what am I going to do? What can I do? And, And sort of out of the blue, a friend's personal trainer invited me to go and climb this mountain, Mount Aconcawa. I'm glad um, you pronounce that because I would yes. already, I read it, but I never know how to say it. Yeah, so. well, it's spelled Aconcagua. Cagua, which is yes. how I would have, yes. Yes, but I think the locals, it's more Aconcawa. And um, it's the highest mountain in the Southern Hemisphere and it's the highest mountain in the Andes mountain range. So for me, the invitation was just like, oh, well, I've never heard of that. Oh, but like, wow, like, what? yeah. Yeah, like, you thought, what, you thought you'd yeah. start with the simple piece? Because I want to go and climb a mountain. Like, <laughs> you know, you're a personal trainer, you're and you know, you know what you're doing. You take care of me. Yeah, all of that. And um, so I was like, yeah, I went home to my husband and I said, look, I've had this invitation to go and climb this mountain. What do you think? And he was like, oh, I don't know. Like, well, what did he well, think? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, right, well, yeah. what about me and the kids? And, you know, like, and I'm like, well, it is my 40th. And he was like... Oh, yeah, okay. Well, you know, some people would have a party down uh, at, the yeah, local, dinner. at the local hall or something. <laughs> you want to go and climb a mountain? Okay, I guess so. So um, it took it did take a little bit of convincing. And then I started looking into what that mountain was. So I sort of just said yes impulsively. I do tend to be an impulsive person. Um, and then I sort of, you know, I was sitting in my role as a radio producer kind of in, in, in the breaks, Googling 
Mount Okonkawa, like what does it mean? And I saw these pictures of this big mountain and like there was these things called crampons and there was ice and people could fall off and die and there was altitude and there was all these things. And I was like, I'm not going to read that. I'm just going to look at the itinerary they've given me and just focus on, you know, running along Manly Beach and doing a few weights in the surf club. But I did have the, um, I guess, I didn't have a lot of confidence in, in my abilities to climb a mountain because I'd never climbed one. Well, I was going to ask, have you been, were you particularly adventurous? Not at all. Up until that not point? at all. I was very much more of an indoors person. I was a gymnast as a kid, so physical but indoors. Uh-huh. And then I became a phys ed teacher. Um, so I was sort of okay in that, in that sort of teaching space. But I definitely wasn't an outdoors person. Right. Um, but th- but this was this just sounded really exciting and I just needed something exciting. But I did talk my best girlfriend into joining me and we'd use, we used to walk a little bit and sometimes do a bit of a, a shof- little shuffle along the beach to try and keep fit, but not much yeah. and not enough to really keep fit. Um, so she was into it. She was like, yeah, this is what we need. Like if we've got this big goal, we're going to get really fit. And I was like, yeah, we yeah. are. Like we're going to We're going to have to. We're going to find time somewhere amongst <laughs> our, you know, because she was also working you know, on the working mum treadmill. Yeah. Um, and it was amazing. Once we had this goal, the two of us just were like, we just fitted in training. Like we would get up at at one stage when I was working on breakfast radio, she got up with me at 3 a.m. and we would do an hour's run down the beach oh in the dark no, before no. I before I started on air and the breakfast show. So it was really quite above, like it was an, a, an act of true friendship. It really was. <laughs> we went off together. We both risked all the things that we risked. You know, my, my husband got got um, Auntie Jill in to look after the kids so he had help and they all flourished while we were away and um, anyway we went off did the mountain didn't summit um, had the most extraordinary adventure but came back with this sense of failure mixed with oh my god like there's a whole world out there and not only is there a whole world of adventure out there there's other people who are our age who every couple of years we met a lot of people on the mountain who every couple of years go and they go and do something amazing and they were like oh people do this stuff like wow like yeah this is not that weird after all those tuck shot mums were wrong and they're weird yeah (laughs) we can go and do this stuff so we both came back with a real sense of nothing was going to be the same like while there was failure there was also like like a window had been opened that we'd never seen before that we could have a still have some fun and, and, and adventure mm-hmm. in our lives. And not only that, that we could actually train for something that was a challenging goal and squeeze it in around motherhood as long as we made it our social life as well. Yeah, so we sort sense. of then got, I sort of then reached out and went, well, this was amazing. I want to do more of this. I put an ad in the local school newsletter and I said, who wants to go and do a little adventure with me? Who wants to go and do a hike in, in the Blue Mountains? Oh, fantastic. And that was sort of like, uh, the, got a little group together, a couple from school. So you got some hands up for that? Well, I did. I did. I only got two from the school newsletter, but kind of friends of friends. And they're just within a little, you know, ask everyone you know kind of thing. We ended up with a little group of eight. And we went off and we put our big packs on. Then we started to get a bit more serious because, you know, we realised that we didn't know much about training for carrying heavy packs. Right. And this is as well you were in the Blue Mountains before you went to the mountains? Before we went to the mountains, we okay. got the packs and we trained with the packs and we read everything we could about it. And I started to see this thing of like, maybe I could turn this into a little hobby kind of business. Like maybe I could, you know, there seems to be a bit of interest in it. I had been a phys ed teacher yeah. in another life. Maybe this is a good way um, to kind of reignite those skills that I haven't used. And um, I can remember sitting on the stairs with my son, who at the time was 13, and saying, hey, mate, I've got a really exciting thing to tell you. And he's like, yeah, mum, what? And I said, well, I'm going to start a fitness business. And he goes, 
Mum, what would you know about fitness? <laughs> Typical 13-year-old. <laughs> I'm like, well, you may think I don't know anything about fitness, but I had another life before you were born. And so true. Anyway, that was sort of the beginning of, of Wild Women on Top. And it's really started as this a bunch of mums going out in the dark at night time with our head torches and our backpacks on, walking for three hours on a Monday night around Clontarf, which is on the northern beaches of Sydney. Mm-hmm. The only time we could carve out three hours was on the week on, on the weeknight um, when the kids had gone to bed. So kids in mums go out um, the weekends were also precious family time so again you couldn't get really the three hours very often um, and then once every three months we'd do like a little weekend somewhere and it really grew from there um, and about five years in um, we were having I was having trouble I by then left my day job so my little hobby so you was really at, built it to the point where yeah. you could leave it that's fantastic well I hadn't really built it to the point that I could live off it right um, but I certainly took me about eight years before I really paid myself a salary um, but it was a passion of love and I realized that if I wanted to reach out to more women I needed to do something more than this small group training um, and I didn't have business skills so it was kind of like learning on the job you know doing doing the going to a small business course doing a bit of course right, a bit doing of a course there, all of that yep. and then I took on a business partner and that kind of you know really helped things move and then we came up with the idea of what about we do this hike um, a fundraising hike mm-hmm. along the coast of Sydney yep. to keep our mums training over Christmas when our coaches and I think at that time we had about five coaches when our coaches go on holidays so that the mums don't stop walking mm-hmm. um, what about we do this big compelling event it's an incredible event an it's absolutely incredible amazing event. journey the response has been I feel like every year it builds and it builds does. and builds yeah. yeah tell yeah. me a bit more about that so what it is is you have to find some friends you can't do it on your own we're very much about the team and we know from our journey with taking women in the wilderness we climbed Kilimanjaro we climbed Mount Elbrus for a while we thought we might do the seven summits which is where I came in contact with the Australian Geographic because we ended up taking up so we failed that first climb and just backtracking a bit eight years later we went back with a team of eight wild women on top and we'd really trained our bums off like we'd really worked so you now knew what what we knew then what to do by then, we were like, this is what you've got to do to climb this mountain. Australian Geographic were kind enough to give us their little flag. So we took that <laughs> A well-travelled flag. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. Took that flag up to the top of the mountain. And five out of the eight of us got to the top. And it was a really interesting journey because at the beginning, we were all over 40. By that time, I was nearly 50. Um, and the girls were all a similar age. And as we started heading up the mountain, you know, people would kind of look at us and go, oh, my God, look at all those old girls, like, as if, you know. And as we got higher and higher and higher up the mountain, they started to drop off like flies because they hadn't done the training (laughs) and they didn't have a strong team. And we got stronger and stronger and stronger. And on the night before the summit, a lot of things went wrong, as as they often do on these big mountains, and things started to... Tentacles started to break, Mm. and we were like, oh, this is not... You know, somebody in a tent in the site where we were lost their sight, and one of our guides had to go and rescue someone. And then someone nearly died because they left their um, they left their um, flame on in their stove and their tent. Filled. Like, oh there's my There's all goodness. these things going on while we we're trying to get get ready to do this pre-dawn start. Yep. Um, but anyway, in spite of all that, we pulled it all together. Eight of us got up, heading out for the summit, which was unheard of. Like the rest of the teams, we'd been climbing with had just disintegrated to down there was one or two of them and we were like go the girls you know watch us (laughs) anyway we did head up as an eight and about three quarters of the way up um the guide that had been out all night rescuing he basically said to a couple of girls look you're too slow you're not going to meet the turnaround time Mm -hmm. so so the three of them turned around and the five of us were able to continue up with a with a with a 
a latch guide. Like we just grabbed somebody on the way. We're going, we need a guide. Can we go with you? And he went, yes. So interesting things happen on big mountains. Um, That's another story. But anyway, five of us did stand on the summit with our Australian Geographic flag. (laughs) And it was a real turning point because for me it was like a full circle of, you know, set a big goal, set a goal that gets you into nature, that, that motivates you to train and challenge yourself bring attention to a great cause. We were also at that time raising money for the Fred Hollows Foundation mm-hmm. as well in a very small way. So it kind of linked, joined up all the dots in a really beautiful way and to show that girls can climb mountains <laughs> and mums can climb Mum mountains. Can, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and it sort of flowed on from that. I then wrote a book, How to Prepare for World Class Treks, capturing all the journeys that we'd had, the lessons that we'd learned. Um, and then Coast Trek, of course, now is in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Adelaide. And I think we've had nearly 40,000 Australians hike a coast in their area and raised over $30 million. That's incredible. For Fred Hollows. And more recently, we've also got now our Adelaide Coast Trek partners with Beyond Blue. Mm-hmm. So we're really keen on moving into that, um, raising money for mental health, because we know that walking and hiking and getting it's into nature. just so important, that connection to nature. Yeah, so good for it your mental you. health. Yeah, it feeds you, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. We'll be back with our conversation with Di after this. We have a special offer for all our listeners. Subscribe to our AG magazine for six months for just $30 and save 33% on the newsstand price. That's three issues of our award-winning magazine delivered to your home for just $30. Plus, you'll also receive exclusive benefits, including 10% of all products purchased in our e-store. Go to australiangeographic.com.au slash Talking Australia for our special offer. That's australiangeographic.com.au slash Talking Australia. So with your organisation now, how many members are there? I think you call it your tribe? Well, our tribe, if we can include our Coast Trek tribe, it's over Mm -hmm. 40,000. And it's interesting because at the one end of the spectrum, we have our Coast Trekkers who who are more, they're touched by the getting into nature, walking with friends and the raising money for a cause. At the other end of the spectrum, we have about 200 girls who we really believe we transform their lives because they become a really close tribe of girls who support each other through thick and thin, who train together two or three times a week and go off and climb Kilimanjaro or trek to Everest Base Camp or they do the big, like the more, the big bucket list challenges. So when you say they support each other, obviously they support each other on these adventures, but I would imagine they support each other in their daily lives as well and the things that they're going through, whether it's problems with children, spouses. Do you know, I haven't had to pay for a therapist or a counsellor in years because I get it when I go high with the girls there's always someone who can teach you something um and most of our girls just seem to be really interesting women who just know stuff know stuff in various different areas so it's very therapeutic just walking and talking and there's a lot of research now that shows how and why that is um and look you know i've been on the planet for a long time now and i'm getting to you know i'm nearly 60 and i know in that journey that we all go through shit, horrible, tough times. Yeah, we do. But if you've got a community around you, a particularly a community that's got some sort of healthy, you know, health aspect to it, it really just it can support you through the tough times. And I would not have got through. You know, I've I've experienced a very challenging divorce, and I know many people have. Yeah. I would not have got through that and many other life challenges without the tribe of women. So I feel very lucky to have um, to have discovered that because before Wild Women I didn't really have it. I was I was my little you know mum dad and two to three kids, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know in my little house you know not really grandparents around, not really a strong support network, a loose one, 
yeah. with neighbours and stuff. But yeah, the wild women and a lot of our girls do say that. There's friendships that you forge when you adventure together and then we regularly walk together. Um, are amazing. I think I read a quote. Uh, you said something like uh, joining an outdoor walking group or something like that is akin to um, putting on your oxygen mask first yes. so you can then help others. Yes. And look, I'm not the first person to th- say that. I know that Mia, Fre- Mia Friedman spoke about it. Mm-hmm. There's many people, many women who've spoken about that. You've got to you've got to do your own self-care to, to be a good mum yeah, as absolutely. well. A, to set it be a good role model to your children, but also to be in that happy place because if you don't top your own cup up, it's hard to be constantly nurturing and topping up others. And I think there is a phase as a mum, probably from when your kids are born to probably through primary school, where you are just so full on in, in that role of nurturing that you don't think you can make time for you. No, that's very, very true. the oxygen mask message is telling us you can't not make time for you. So the way to do it is to integrate that with your social life, with your with your connecting. So connect with others while you do the movement, physical stuff. And I talk a lot about that in the blogs that we write about how you can integrate physical activity into your family time, into your social life, into your friend time. So rather than go out for dinner, not to say that's not a great thing to do because it still is, mm. go for a walk and then go for coffee. Yeah. Like do something physical every day in every way. So the fourth thing, the other two things that I want to mention is the physical activity and it doesn't have to be the gym. The gym can be great for some people, but it can be as simple as putting your runners on, walking out the door and walking for 10 minutes but it has to be every day. So the movement thing and then also nourishing, you know, nourishing your body, you know, with Good you food. know, with real food, mostly plants. So they're the four <clears throat> real key things that we really focus on, um, you know, with our messages. Um, but the getting into nature and the moving in nature, the studies in, you know, in the lifestyle medicine space are just showing that those things are not only powerful to keep you happy, but they can also heal certain chronic diseases. So it's a really interesting space to be in at a time when people are, plugged in to this so But it makes sense, doesn't it, if you think about it in an ev- evolutionary sense, where we've come from as, as human beings to where we are now. Mm. And if we go back to where we came from, plant ourselves in nature, plant our feet in the dirt yeah. and move more, Yes, it does. It, it, it's part of the human condition. Yeah, it's so deeply part of the human condition and we are all connected in that nature space. And I think the way to get you moving if you are on the couch, uh, what works really well for people is to say, Every day a tiny bit, even if it's just 10 minutes. Mm. Because what what the research showing is in, if you put your shoes on and walk out that door, within five minutes, the limbic system in your brain, which is your emotional centre, starts to kick in. It starts to go, oh, this is actually quite fun. It's I'm quite so enjoying terrible. this. And then you start to get that little bit of dopamine where you go, oh, actually, I'm in, and you might find that your five minutes turns into 10, your 10 turns into 15 or 20. And before you know it, it's half an hour and you're like, great. And I feel so much better for it. Mm. So... Sometimes that voice in your head which would say, oh, my God, I can't get to the gym. Oh, my God, who's got an hour? Who's got, who can spare? What working mum can spare a whole hour? Just spare 10 minutes, but do it every single day and make it a habit that you don't – make yourself a promise that you, don't, that you don't break, that 10 minutes a day, that's all you've got to do. So a good way to start. I'm interested in why you chose the Fred Hollows Foundation in the first instance for, the, for Wild Women on Top. That's a really interesting story. So back in the day when a small group of us were looking at climbing the Seven Summits, which is most people may know, or people may know the highest mountain on every continent, yep. we had a glass of champagne at our very first Christmas party when we just started our little Wild Women walking group and decided that we should go and climb Kilimanjaro. 
And I think probably two or three glasses later, we decided that we should just do the seven summits because why not? <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was seen to, like a big, hairy, audacious goal and it was and almost ridiculous at the time. But we started on this journey and we did actually do four of them. Um, and during that time, we were connected with an amazing Australian called Sue Fear. Oh, I know. And you I may know Sue. So mm. Sue was one of Australia's um, top um, female mountaineers. Yeah, an incredible woman. Incredible, incredible woman. All of that. Mm. And she had some connection with some charities and the Fred Hollis Foundation was one of the charities that she was connected with and she was due to guide us up Mount Elbrus and Elbrus is the highest mountain in Europe and about three months before we were due we'd done some training with her and three months before we were due to go she actually lost her life she did. Um, in the Himalayas on Manaslu I think it was mm-hmm. um, And but in that time that we connected with her we became very aware of the work of the Fred Hollows Foundation and she connected us with the foundation because we I was very keen on with our Seven Summits team why we were trying to raise money to get to do this Seven Summits journey because it's a very big financial undertaking mm. um, was to partner with a charity to support that charity with some fundraising dollars to get some PR for both us and the charity yeah. um, and, and to also um, allow our girls to get some a little bit of financial support um, towards their climb. So Sue connected us with Fred Hollows and we found out that Fred had been a mountaineer. And so we're like, oh, this is pretty cool. Like these guys that have come from... synergy here. Yeah, come from there. You know, he was a Kiwi, as, as many people may know, and then came to Australia and set up this amazing thing. And there was mm. a lot of work in Nepal and the areas that we were hiking and around this whole restoring site. And when I came up with the idea of Coast Trek, I looked at the Australian Himalayan Foundation, which is another charity that we did some fundraising for, and I approached both of them. And Fred Hollows basically said to us, look, yes, like what, how can we help you? Mm. And they were prepared and they were because they were a big charity, they were able to help us financially get the first event off the ground. Unfortunately, the Australian Himalayan Foundation weren't set up in the same way and they just said, look, we would love the funds but we don't have any resources to give you. And because I was working full-time at the time, I needed some help. Like mm. I wasn't able to just bankroll, you know, bankroll it because no, probably no an event is a big expense to get it going. So Fred Hollows just basically came charging out of the gates going, yep, we get this, let's do it. Um, and, yeah, the rest is history. It's just been an amazing, an amazing partnership. I get a sense from you as well that um, this idea of helping be the best people be the best version of themselves really fills you up. Mm. Oh, it totally does. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I just feel so lucky that I found my purpose because I, you know, my background was, you know, physical fitness as phys ed teacher, worked in the fitness industry for many years. Um, but this space around well-being... Um, is just something that it kind of evolved and, uh, you know, the need has never been greater. I know 70% of Australians have some form of chronic disease and the studies show that, you know, on on a separate statistic, 70% of us aren't flourishing. So 10% of us have some sort of mental illness. That space is a different space and that space is where professional help is needed. But the 70% that aren't flourishing they just need to go walking with their friends. Like, I'm just like, this is a really simple thing. You can do this stuff. We can fix this. We can fix this. But we are in a culture where we wait till we get sick and then we want the doctor to fix us. We haven't, we no longer own our health ourselves. And I think there's a real shift. People need to shift their consciousness to go, I'm responsible for Mm. my health. The doctor can help me in some instances and he may be able to give me a pill if I, you know, or there may be, options where he's the only person who can fix me but really most of the things now chronic disease is now um, greater greater numbers than infectious so we've sorted infectious diseases we've got our vaccinations we've got that happening doctors have done a great job there or the you know the the research and the medical professions and the pharmaceutical companies they've all sorted that but 
our chronic disease piece is just catastrophic. Like it's like we like when you the health you know the health the health insurance companies are onto it. They've worked it out. They've actually worked out that if we don't do something about this chronic disease, obesity, diabetes, heart disease, all of those things are not only preventable, but treatable by walking with friends in nature. <laughs> like I'm just like, <laughs> get out there, eat real food, mostly plants. So yeah, so it's really exciting to be in a place, but also. I feel like it's a huge responsibility because I feel like I know and my, my tribe knows we know what works and we, we're, we're the happy ones. We're the 20% that are flourishing. And it's not to say that we don't have bad days and sad days no, and grumpy course. and sometimes you want, to, you want to stay under that doona and all those things. Of course you do. And sadness is part of the human condition and we all experience it. And sometimes we stay in it longer than we might want to. But um, you've got to take responsibility in the end for your health And there's a lot of information out there now, once you realise that, of things you can do. And they don't have to be expensive and they don't have to be onerous. But they can even be fun. They can (laughs) definitely be fun. So what do you do in the mornings? How do you get up? (gasps) Well, I most, most mornings I plan to meet somebody. And I'm very lucky because I live in a place where I can get to nature very quickly. Um, but I'm also not very motivated to do things on my own. So I'm one of those people who I am social. It's I get social energy connection. from other people. And so to force myself to get up, um, I'll meet someone. And it's usually meeting someone for a walk. Or I meet someone to go rock climbing. But there's probably five out of seven days mm-hmm. I'm meeting someone. And that's when that alarm goes off. I'm just up. Um, and then not on the days when, you know, when, you know, there's no one available or whatever, I struggle. And sometimes I'll just be, you know, like I might just sleep in that extra half hour or whatever. Or the so when you say sleep in for an extra half an hour, what time are you talking in the, in the getting up in the morning? Are we talking? Well, I am a morning person. Right. Well, you were talking about 3 a.m. starts before and I was. <laughs> no, I don't do those. Morning. No, 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 that was unusual. <laughs> was like, that was unusual. Oh. No, tradition, typically I would get up at 5.30. Um, and some, you know, depending on the time of year, that could be in the dark. I'm not great mm. at getting up in the dark. I prefer to get up at first light. I agree. But having clock. said that, Liz, that little time between first light and sunrise is when you get the most magical light. It so, is divine. So I've learned that. I used to think it was all about the sunrise, but now I know it's all about first light. And it's a very short period. It's about 15 or 20 minutes between first light and sunrise, and that's when you get the best photos, and that's when you go, wow. Mm. And I'm addicted to that now. So if I miss that, if I don't have that three or four times a week, and then if I do miss it in the morning for whatever reason, if I've got an early meeting or there's some reason why I can't go, and sometimes there is, then I'll do something in the afternoon. I'll go, well, okay, where's the sunset? Um, and I will make an effort to be out there. And and maybe the more you do it, the more addictive it becomes. Like many um, things, yeah. Like many things. Mm. So, yeah, that's and, – and I do – what I'm bad at is the sleep bit. So I do cut into my sleep – to, to fit it all in. Um, because so, we know that sleep is incredibly important as well. Sleep is super important. We know that Ariana Huffington has made us all very aware with all, with all of her research and her book um, on that topic. But not only getting the eight hours, but also it's okay to nap, you know. I mean, I grew up in, you know, with that Protestant work ethic. And I, my mum, if she was listening, she would go, yes, dear. Yes, I know that. She still won't. Oh, my mother won't either. I don't nap. I just don't nap. Even a nana nap is just off the table. And I'm just like, well, I'm okay with that. And not that I do it very often, but I'm okay with it if, you know, if I can fit it in. So every night my goal is to get eight hours. Most often I get six or seven, but like every third or fourth night I'll be like, right. I start getting ready for bed at 7.30 and I'm in bed by eight and then I'll normally check Facebook or, you know, have a chat or call someone or do something. But then at least it's nine and I'm like, great. I'm going to get my eight hours tonight because, um, you know, I'm going to go nine to five and I've got an early climb or whatever. So the eight hours is a really key part of the well-being. 
very important. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So in terms of moving forward with uh, Wild Women on Top, and I actually I've been meaning to ask you this the whole entire time, Wild Women on Top, whenever I say to my girlfriends, oh, there's this, this walking group, this outdoor group, I want to join, it's called Wild Women on Top, and they go, it's called what? <laughs> So don't we love that? So that was an interesting one too, and it was quite a one of the one of the very few early strategic things I did with with you know with my business. So when I first started the business, it was called Fit for Adventure, and it wasn't just women. It was really my idea was that of course everyone would want to do this great idea that I had because this great idea was about training for big adventures and having adventures all around the world and getting really fit and strong and just having a good old time. Um, but and I started these these training sessions and women were interested not in large numbers but women were like oh this sounds pretty good walking and talking with the girls and having these you know go and climb Kilimanjaro mm. yeah let's do it and men weren't and they were like well if I wanted to climb Kilimanjaro like it's just walk like it's just a hike and you know right. I'm sure it's going to be hard up there but I'd just book a guide or just you know just I just do it like it's walking like it's not a technique like it's not need skills and I'm, but women were like. If I'm going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, I want to know what to wear. I want to know what kind of backpack to carry. I want to know how to carry, how to pack my backpack. And I want to make sure that I'm strong and fit enough so that when I get there, I'm successful. Mm. I don't want to be getting up there and having a horrible time of it and letting the team down because the team thing's a big piece in what we do. Yeah. Um, so I realised early on, and we did try and do what we call wild weekends, where we'd have, let's have a couple's wild weekend or let's have a Again, couple. Again, that's got some connotations. <laughs> no, no, this was before it was wild women on top. It was still fit for adventure. Let's have a couple. Anyway... I realised that men were not interested. We, I spoke to women. Women got what I was offering. Women wanted. I knew what women wanted. And I didn't know what men want, wanted. So we changed the business to, and we called it Mums Kick Ass. That was a bit naughty. Um, so for about <laughs> six months we were Mums Kick Ass. And some of the girls that we had we attracted who really enjoyed what we did felt a bit uncomfortable with the ass. So we oh, dropped the ass okay. and then it was just Mums Kick. Um, and then I started to read some branding books. In fact, and my ex-husband at the time, he was very keen to help me with it because he thought I needed help and I did. And, in fact, he read the branding books and he reported into me and he goes, this is what, you know, this is what we learned. And together we kind of went, well, what would be a good name? Um, and we looked at something. It had to be nature, so that was the wild. Yeah. It had to be women because we'd already worked out that men weren't interested in what we did. And we really liked the idea of climbing mountains. It didn't have to be mountaineering mountains, but it just had to be getting to the top of something and seeing a beautiful view. And we realised and we worked out when you Google wild women on top at the time, and this is now 18 years ago, at that time when you Googled wild women on top, you didn't get anything. If you Googled wild women, you got a whole bunch of interesting mm. things which you might not wanted, might not have wanted. And when you Googled women on top, you also got a whole lot of things which I you might not well have imagined. wanted. Yes. So we went, well, as long as we have all four <laughs> words wild women on top... We are going to go to the top of the search, the Google search, and we did. Fantastic. We did very quickly. Um, and also the name had a reaction that you had, and that's also the thing we liked about it. Even though it was a bit long, a traditional branding would say that's too long yeah. of a name. Um, what was good about it was it either made people laugh or ask a question or there was a pregnant pregnant pause. <laughs> they went, did she actually say that? Is that a brothel or something? So in that moment it gives you a chance to have a conversation. 
and people don't forget it in a hurry. No, that's exactly so right. So from a branding point of view, we ticked a lot of boxes and we were prepared to put up with the fact that it was a bit of a long name. Mm, well, it sounds like it's going to have a lot of longevity as well. And interestingly too now, Liz, men want to join and we're like, no, sorry. You can't. <laughs> you can do our Coast Trek event and we love yeah. men and we love to include men and we know that's important as well. But we also know that women are more powerful health influencers. So if we can get the women oh, moving every day, get the children moving every day, then then the, then the husbands yeah, or the partners will follow. quite often come along. It doesn't work the other way around necessarily. So so from that point of view, we've learned that subsequently that if you can get mum moving, that's a really good thing for everyone. So someone wants someone's listened to this, they're inspired. What do they do? What do, we, what do they do? Well, next? all you do is just Google Wild, Wild Women, Women on, on Top, top. <laughs> and you can find out all the details of what we do. So we have in Sydney, we have face-to-face group training where we train you up for the adventure of your dreams, mm-hmm. whether it's going to Patagonia or going to Greece. We've got a whole bunch of trips coming up. I'm taking a group to the Dolomites, oh, doing fantastic. doing a beautiful. In fact, we're walking from the north to the south of the Italian Dolomites. So it's going to be a walk. It's it's, it's going to be anyway. We it's do lots of incredible. amazing. Adventures. Adventures, but what we also do is we help you train for it. So and if you're not in Sydney, the coach that is going on the trip will do an online thing with you. They'll liaise with you. They'll make sure you're on top of your training. We have a book that also can guide you and we have a 12-week training program. Mm-hmm. We are in the process of now setting up um, Wild Women on Top Trek training in Sydney um, in Melbourne and in Adelaide and then hopefully soon Brisbane. So we're starting to look at how we can create communities on the ground um, in addition to our Coast Trek our Coast Trek groups, which which already happen in each mm-hmm. city. So so Coast Trek is probably the easiest way in because there's a Coast Trek kind of closer to most yeah. people. And the thing with the Coast Trek journey is that's a 12-week journey as well. And then we train you again with a digital training program. Basically, we say, okay, today you should be walking 10 kilometres somewhere on a trail, get your friends together, put it in the diary, and off you go. And this is what you've got to wear, and this is the sort of things that you need to eat, and this is what you need along the way. So, so really it's very much a step-by-step, step-by-step getting you ready and getting you fit and helping you make walking a part of your daily life. So really you can start tomorrow just by putting your runners, putting your alarm clock on, getting your runners sitting at the bottom of your bed, getting up and out that door and just tell yourself it's only 10 minutes. But if you have a goal, we know that that motivates you to do it. And if you have a goal with friends, it motivates you to do it more. And if you have a goal with friends and for a cause, then that's it. Like you've got that little magical connection where where you are going to follow through and you'll feel so much better for it. Well, I feel so much better for having spent some time with you today. Uh-huh. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's Anytime. Really cool. Come back and share some more stories with us soon. Look please. forward to it. Thanks, Thank Liz. You. Cheers. Bye. Bye. That's it for today's episode of Talking Australia. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out. Write us an email, podcast at australiangeographic.com or find us on Instagram at Australian Geographic. And if you go to australiangeographic.com.au slash talkingaustralia, you'll find a special subscription offer. So don't wait. Go to australiangeographic.com.au slash talkingaustralia. Also, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thanks for listening and hear you next time.